Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that close next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mears. Hurt now. Oh, There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, well, it is great to be back with you. You have no idea, especially on a pay-per-view week like this. Monday, August 12, 2019, episode 212 of the Anik and Florian podcast. I'm like jumping out of my skin with UFC 241 coming up here in six days. Heading out to your neck of the woods, Southern California, Dinner at the Florians, Wednesday night in Venice, invitation only. <laughs> I did not get invited, but I might be crashing. <laughs> Always welcome at the of Florian course. household. Come on. Of course. That kid, that kid is too cute, man. You know, it's like, I don't say that too to everyone. I mean, I'm not going to call out my <laughs> friends who have ugly children on the Anakin Florian <laughs> podcast. But when I say that, you know, you guys should probably run it back. You probably you guys make some some really attractive babies. And I imagine <laughs> she's pretty smart as well. So by week last week, my, my daughter, Riley, who started third grade today, she turned eight last Monday and she was kind of adamant that we take the week off. So the UFC schedule kind of helped us out a little bit. There were some smaller shows, relatively speaking, respect to Valentina Shevchenko, of course. But the UFC schedule was forgiving. So we hit the reset button. And here we are. We are doing a primetime show on the East Coast. And I, I told my daughter she could come on the podcast tonight. So at some point, there's a chance that an eight-year-old is going to come in here, grab the headset, and do the show with Flo. So yes. just throwing that out there, be ready. And speaking of being ready, before we get into Ray Longo and the UFC 241 selections and all of that, I want to go back to the Newark show because I've been dying to get your thoughts in a more extended forum on Colby Covington and the offensive mastery against Robbie Lawler. And if anyone could could find a hole in this performance, I would imagine it would probably be somebody with an eye like yourself. But for me, sitting octagon side as the amateur that I am, watching that type of output with the 20-plus takedowns or whatever it was, five, 600 strikes, I was just in awe of his ability to sustain that over 25 minutes. And say what you want about him not really going for submissions or the punches being a little bit soft, but a lot of high-level fighters were coming to the support of Colby Covington's performance on August 3rd, and I was curious if you were sort of as blown away, at least as I was, uh, you know, nine days ago. You know, I, I was uh, blown away as well. Um, you know, I've gone back and forth with Colby on social media and things like that. And we've criticized each other, but uh, not a whole lot to criticize uh, in, in Colby Covington's performance there. Uh, listen, he fought a guy in Robbie Lawler, one of the toughest guys to ever compete inside the octagon. A guy who can pose a lot of problems to anyone out there. He's fought every style of fighter out there. And he just did not have an answer to the onslaught that Colby Covington oh. put on him that night. I mean, he, and the other thing is this is we hadn't seen Colby Covington in a while. And Colby is a vastly improved fighter since the last time yeah. we saw him. This guy has clearly, clearly been training and he's been training a lot of striking because he looked way more comfortable on the feet. He was mixing things in. He threw every single strike in the book. And I tell you what, he probably landed it. Um, yeah. His ability to, to mix things up, his ability to keep this insane amount of pressure on Robbie Lawler. I think Robbie was waiting for Kobe to get tired or to stop throwing shots and he never did. And Robbie just could never get comfortable in there and land 
enough hard shots to keep Colby away from him. Um, it was an amazing performance. I was blown away by all aspects. The only thing that I could come up with to criticize Colby Covington was his inability to finish the rear naked choke. That was right. it. Uh, but uh, listen, everyone's going to have a certain weakness in their game, uh, certain things that they need to improve on. But I tell you what, Colby Covington has been training and been training hard. He looked much improved. I'm, I'm glad you acknowledged the striking improvements and just the overall development because we hear a lot of fighters say this and I do the fighter calls on Tuesday and sometimes when we don't do our fighter meetings on Thursday I'll do 24 26 fighter calls on Tuesday and one of the things you continuously hear is fighters say you don't even realize like in six months in eight months since you've seen me I am just a totally different beast than I was and Covington very much is still a developing fighter obviously that is a scary proposition for the rest of this welterweight division you know, Kamar Usman is an interesting case because his performance against Tyron Woodley back in March was one of the most dominant championship performances that I've ever seen. And you sort of are thinking, man, what's it going to take to beat this guy? And then you see Colby go out and do this to Robbie Lawler over 25 minutes. And my appetite for that fight now between Kamar Usman and Colby Covington is insatiable. I can't wait yeah. to see that fight. And hopefully, you know, November 2nd or whatever it is, Madison Square Garden, you know, it shall be done. Yeah, listen, uh, this is a guy who could definitely be wearing the belt, uh, the actual belt in that division. Um, again, you look at Usman's skills uh, and Colby Covington's skills. I thought Usman would be the guy who would be better on the feet. After seeing that performance against Robbie Lawler, for me, uh, especially when it comes to skills from the outside, uh, Colby is the better striker overall uh, than Usman is. Is he the better wrestler? I don't know. He might even be better in that department as well. Both guys, as far as conditioning, strength, pressure, are about the same. Man, I can't wait to see that fight. Well, congrats to Colby Covington, Jim Miller, and all the other winners uh, in Newark, New Jersey. And then, of course, it was Uruguay this weekend. Valentina Shevchenko defends her belt against Liz Carmouche 50-45 to 45 times three. But I don't want to bury the lead, which was the fight of the night between Vicente Luque and Platinum Mike Perry. Split decision goes to Vicente Luque, whose winning streak I think is now six. But the tweet from Ken Flo, and, and certainly most of our listeners at this point have seen the fight. Mike Perry broke his nose in round three, a Luque knee. Easily worst nose break I've seen in a fight ever. This is at Kenny Florian on Twitter, if you're not following. Perry and Luque are tough as hell. Nuff said. Right, so... I did not watch the card live. I read your tweet, immediately went and watched the fight. And even though my memory is not like the go-to memory, I can assure you, that's the worst nose break I've ever seen in MMA competition, Ken Flo. It was smashed Dude. into his face. It wasn't there. It was it was crazy. I haven't seen anything like it. I mean, the, the, the worst nose break before that fight against Mike Perry was, uh, you know, the Rich Franklin one where Anderson Silva threw that knee from the clinch. And, you know, uh, Brandon Veras was pretty bad, I think, when he fought John Jones. But my goodness, man, that, that was just ridiculous. I mean, it was just gone. It looked like it, like he was run over by a, a Mack truck or something. It was awful to see. And talk about toughness, dude. There are certain people that you literally need to kill to defeat. Mike yeah, Perry would yeah. be one of those guys. It, he's the kind of guy that if you shot him or stabbed him, he's going to continue to walk yeah, forward. Yeah. The dude's an absolute terminator. Um, I thought he won the fight as well. I, you know, I, I'm not sure I would call it a robbery necessarily. It was a close fight, but I thought that he won the fight. And my goodness, Mike Perry is an absolute stud. Um, the, the damage to his face and his nose, I, I hope he's okay. I hope he's able to fight, uh, you know, without that being a concern in the future. Uh, but dude, th that was one of the worst, uh, nose breaks. It was the worst nose break I've ever seen. And one of the worst injuries I've seen inside the octagon and correct me if I'm wrong, but as Luke a is squeezing the blood out of the nose, right. And it's like a oh. faucet of blood on the canvas, right. The last thing Platinum Mike Perry's looking for, he's looking for a way out of the submission, not a way right. out of the fight. I think a lot of guys would be like, all right, my nose is like concaved up into my face. I should probably get some medical attention here. You may have to just tap here or whatever, you know. But, of course, for Perry, you know, he thought he won that round and didn't get the credit for the takedown. Or at least he thought he won the fight, as did many people out there. And 
I, I've, I promised I wasn't going to have a conversation about scoring, even though there's so many things that we could talk about and we could do. But in a fight like this, Kenny, when people trot out the word robbery, you know, we both had it 2-1 Perry, but I think even you and I disagree on which rounds we gave him. And right. I think I watched it no commentary, uninterrupted this morning, with caffeine in my system, ready to go. And I'm sure if I watched it 10 times, I'd probably give it to Luke A for them. You know, I don't know. I just think it's it's very difficult. And TJ and I had a conversation off the air about half points and five judges. And there are a lot of different things we can do. But in a fight like this, it's very tough for Mike Perry, because not only does he now have this broken nose and maybe no contact for the rest of the year, which will be a hard pill for him to swallow. But now Luke's winning streak is six, right? And careers yep. really do swing on outcomes like this. And I feel like at least if we had five human beings instead of three, you know, you lessen the margin for error at least a little bit. Because um, this is tough for Perry, right? Like you beat Vicente Luque, you're in business. And now he's just got to deal with that split decision loss, I guess. Dude, and that's the thing, you know, um, when judges make, you know, what I think is a bad decision in this case, um, it, it, it can totally make or break a person's career. And for Mike Perry, you know, uh, this would have been a huge win, as you said. Uh, Vincente Luque now uh, on this six-fight uh, win streak. But, uh, you know, for me, I thought Mike Perry definitely did enough. Um, and on top of it, you know, to, to leave this fight in Uruguay with that kind of an injury, um, you know, at least he was given, the, you know, the $50,000 bonus, which made right. me feel better. Uh, but man, that, that was brutal and, and a tough way, uh, to, to learn a lesson, I guess, fighting in that country. But, um, anyways, Vincente Luque is tough as nails as well. He did everything possible, uh, yeah. to win that fight as well. And, uh, it was a close fight. You can't say it was a robbery. Yeah, no. And, and Luque is a beast and yes. credit to him. And, but again, it's just all of a sudden for Mike Perry, instead of having one, three of four, with back-to-back wins over Alex Cowboy Oliveira and Vicente Luque. Now he's lost four of six and two of his last three. And, you know, again, though, for him, I think he's a matchmaker's dream, certainly resonates with fans, and I think he's going to get a lot of big fights and people are going to want to fight him. And, and, again, I think there are going to be top 15, top 10 opportunities for Mike, Mike Perry, regardless of that judge's decision. I think, to your point, the nose is maybe more something to keep an eye on as he tries to – you know, keep it going because I think he's yeah. only 27, 28 years old. You know, a lot of fight left in theory uh, in that dog. All right. One more thing here on Uruguay. And, and by the way, congratulations to Gilbert Burns uh, making good on that welterweight fight there on the prelim portion. But Valentina Shevchenko did what many expected her to do as a minus 1,000 or so favorite, 50 to 45 times three against Liz Carmouche. Not a whole lot of action overall in the fight. I know some people were disappointed. You could certainly spin it on the Shevchenko side that here she is defending the belt for a second time in three months and deserves some credit for that. Any thoughts on Shevchenko exacting some revenge, so to speak, here in the rematch with Liz Carmouche? Well, you know, she did a good job. I think for Shevchenko, you know, similar to a lot of, um, of the good counter fighters, they need someone to fight them for them to look good, right? Uh, even Mayweather, right? Uh, Mayweather wasn't the guy later on in his career who you wanted to just run out and see. He needed someone to come forward for him to really shine. And if you're cautious against someone like a Mayweather, um, you know, you're not going to have the best fight. I'm not comparing Shevchenko to the level of a Mayweather just yet, but she is a counterfighter. And my point is, is that if you're a little timid and if you're not coming forward with a whole lot of aggression, you're not going to see the best that Shevchenko has to offer. Um, and I, I think Carmouche was a little hesitant coming forward. Yeah. Um, she really wasn't so aggressive. So we didn't see the most exciting of main events, John. And uh, it, it was unfortunate, but still... Shevchenko is a much better fighter than the first time we saw them. Um, I know Carmouche would like to, to, you know, do a trilogy fight. I don't think that really is warranted. I, I would have liked to no. see a more aggressive Carmouche. I think Shevchenko is still a, a, a class or two above Carmouche at this stage of the game. Uh, and uh, again, Shevchenko just is uh, one of the best female fighters in the world. Yeah, there is some young talent at 125 pounds coming up. I don't know how much of it is ready for Shevchenko right yeah. now, but uh, I do think that, you know, give it 12 or 18 months, 
that division is going to be in good shape, and Shevchenko is certainly going to get tested at least more than she was this weekend. So Ken Flo was a little bit delayed getting to his plush studio at his residence today, so we did tape the Ray Longo minute earlier. Here is my 15 minutes with Raymond Peter Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, you know, there are not a lot of things I miss in life when I go on vacation, but Ray Longo is certainly one of them. The great Ray Longo now joins us, and when I say us, I say me and TJ DeSantis. So we're sort of taping the show out of order today, Ray. Because Ken wow. Flo, uh, there was an accident at Mayrocky BJJ. I guess uh, somebody dislocated their elbow today. So Ken Flo is running a little bit late. So uh, if we weren't going to go back and tape the top of the show, I would probably have some jujitsu joke. But I don't know the severity of the injury. And Ken Flo said it was pretty crazy. So you just got me today unless you want to, you know, probe TJ DeSantis. So you just got to take what you can get, I guess. I'll tell you, I'll take it, John. Did you have a good time with your family? First things first. It was good, man. My daughter was adamant that we not do a podcast on her birthday last week on August 5th. So uh, I I obliged that command, and um, we went to Marco Island and had a good time. And it was much needed. You know, the UFC stretch, it continues, obviously, this weekend. But five and six weeks was uh, had me down for the count. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. So, Very good. I mean, they're, 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 dislocating, they're dislocating elbows at jiu-jitsu class. I hope you guys are keeping it safe at uh, Longo Weidman MMA today. I, I mean, I don't know. To miss something for a uh, listen, I don't, I, we don't know the severity of the injury, but uh, somebody dislocated. I mean, I've seen so many injuries. That's not stopping me from doing a podcast. Ah, there you wacky. go. I like it. <laughs> I took the words out of wacky. my mouth. Doesn't he have a couple of lackeys he could send with that guy to the hospital? Well, and as our radio producer, TJ DeSantis, would say, at least you got to text the producer. I mean, you know. I mean, it's an elbow. I mean, did you see, I'll show you the video, Marab's toe. One time the bone was sticking through his toe. Oh. And the guy put on, I mean, he was running around the gym. He put on Instagram or one of those live feeds where, he was running into the hospital to get it fixed laughing. I mean, this well, is what yeah, I'm feeling down there. I mean, an elbow. This guy's bone was out through his toe. Right. Marab, though, Did is just see? next level, yeah. right? I don't know that he's a great point of comparison because he's out of his mind. I mean, you've told stories about this guy. You know, yeah. forget the no, doctor. No. He just needs a bottle of Elmer's glue to sew up his face, you know? Uh, I, can't, I, I, I tell you, I had him at least two or three times with one of the top plastic surgeons around, and he... Uh, he said he would go, and he just he glued it shut, and that was it. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> oh, the you know, Georgians, baby. Did you see, did, yeah, did you see Mike Perry's nose? I did. You know, Ken Flo tweeted yeah. that it was the worst broken nose he had seen in MMA, and, you know, yeah, smashed and dented like that. I, I think there's certainly an argument to be made that it was. Yeah. yeah, there was a kid in the gym. He ran his nose into Sasaki's knee about five months ago. Oh. Worse than Worse or the same? Oh man, well, are you, know you there? I, you know, that happened uh, under your roof. Oh recently? yeah, uh, oh that, man, that happened. Yeah, yeah, that happened under my watch because uh, you know it's a little language uh, barrier. I understand. But, uh, yeah, crazy. No, no, that 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 one I really was upset about because it should have never happened. But uh, uh, you know, accidents happen. But uh, I'll tell you what, I would have did the podcast. That that's the, I'm where I'm going you. with this. Not I'm about the injury. You. I'm doing the podcast. I'm I mean, just hoping. Gonna pro- Listen, I'm just John, hoping life, when you we, have to prioritize. I'm telling you, you I'm just hoping when we re-rack the top of the show that TJ's backing me up and, uh, you know, anyway. Hey, hey I, I've, I've done a radio show without a voice before, and, and that was affecting me. I don't know what's wrong with Kenny. I mean, come on, man. If the guy's screaming Not, in the background, yeah, I mean, that's atmosphere. We call it atmosphere in the biz. I mean, really? I mean, couldn't, yeah. we, couldn't, you have put, couldn't you have put the guy on the podcast for ratings? I mean, couldn't whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do to make the call time, you know, backing things up. I mean, until I mean John, we're picking up nickels over here. We're I'm picking up nickels. You. That guy, he puts that kid on the freaking podcast. We could pick up a couple of $5 bills. <laughs> you're, you're right about that. <laughs> so we, we have a lot of things to, to cover with you. Obviously, we were off last week. So I guess chief among them, if I'm looking at the last two shows with respect to Platinum Mike Perry and Vicente Luque that you just brought up, Colby Covington a couple weeks ago against Robbie Lawler. 
you know, there were people who were insinuating that these were pillow punches or whatever. I will just say watching live from that seat, that type of offensive output, you know, five, six hundred strikes and 20 takedowns. It seems not humanly possible over 25 minutes. I just didn't know if you had any thoughts on on Colby Covington's win and, uh, you know, big picture, how, how far he can take this thing. Well, big picture is uh, the guy's a problem, and pillow punches are not. That's a lot of pillows coming at you, yeah. you know. So eventually, those pillows add up. But uh, no, his volume, his output is phenomenal, and no, no, he's uh, he he's a problem. He's going to give a lot of people problems. I mean, the the matchup I'd love to see would be him against Askren. That's the fight I would make. Yeah, I would well, love to see that fight. Certainly, they're going to make the fight with Kamar Usman. And I guess for me, if I'm looking for a point of comparison with Covington or anyone out there who can match the pace and the pressure, maybe not in terms of the volume striking, but it's Usman, you know, um, yeah. and that's no, the match. Another so. great fight. Another yeah. great fight. I mean, but Kobe, you got to take him serious at this point. I mean, he oh man, kind of ran, ran over RDA, ran over uh, Robbie. Uh, I don't know. That's uh you know, he's uh he's got a gas tank, man. You know, he's got a gas tank and a half. I hope it's all on the up and up. But if it is, man, I, right. I give it up to him. There's a there's a kid I have in the gym now, Ryan Patrovich, lost to I think he lost to Covington by a point in the nationals. And I asked him, I said, How was his uh, he said same guy. He said he's a goer. Nonstop. So right. yeah. I think he's got he's got a great uh whatever genes he's got, he's got a great great genes to keep going. So yeah. Uh, Power, power to him. You know, I don't like his antics, but you got to admire him as a fighter. Right. And there are guys, too, like Gregor Gillespie, not far from you, who just have that yeah. extra gear, particularly on the big nights or on the big stages. They really have yeah. that extra gear. But, you know, it was interesting. Colby Covington said after the fight, maybe even in the post-fight interview, uh, or maybe it was after the fact, but that he knew from the time he was a little kid in sports that he had this third lung. So um, certainly looks natural to me, you know, but I can understand given the output when you have guys like Daniel Cormier going on Twitter and saying, man, I can't even believe that a guy can, you know, mix the striking and the takedowns and sustain that type of offensive output over 25 minutes. I mean, you had the best guys in the sport acknowledging this effort, you know? No, no, it's a bit, uh, John, it's impressive. Uh, Whether you like them, you don't like them, you hate them. Right. That's freaking impressive, period. That's it. You know? All right. A couple other things. Ally Quinta versus Dan Hooker verbally agreed to for UFC 243, October 5th, Melbourne, Australia. What can you tell us, Ray? What can you tell us? What do you want to know? Uh, Are you looking at flights to Melbourne? Yes, I am. Yes. Because, fuck, if I got to go that far, at least join me. You know why I said that? Because I, when I hang up the phone, I get all my my people saying, "No, he was." He said, "No, no, he didn't get nothing out of him." I want to just save you the uh, the extra breaths after we <laughs> hang up you. the phone. Thank yeah, you. you're welcome. But uh, well, that's, that's yeah, no, exciting. I, mean, I, I I do believe uh, they might be waiting on something signed, but the, the, as far as I know, the fight's going on. So, how do you feel uh, about this uh, this travel? You're going to suck it up, obviously. But how do you feel about uh, the long you know flight? you know what, man? I got you. Got to remember, we have. Uh, you know, Mizuki is fighting in China at the end of the month, and I had to send somebody else. But, yeah, no, for Ally Quinter, I, I would actually yeah. do anything, and any pain would be no pain for right. that kid. No, so of it, course. Not that, I'm, not that I'm looking forward to it, but uh, right. uh, yeah, that's, it's just it is what it is. That guy so gets... Is your initial thought, on, though? I, I, I dropped that on the plane for that guy. Of course. No, I no doubt about it. You know, I mean, I don't even know him that well and I'd run through a wall for him, right? As an yeah. MMA fan. Um, but yeah. I, I, is your initial thought like, oh man, October 18th in Boston just sounds a lot closer or are you just, uh, it's yeah, a big no, fight, those, big stadium those, show. All, no, all those thoughts are right. <laughs> yeah, of course. October is looking, uh, and then Frivol is trying to get on the Melbourne card also, but yeah. then he's thinking of Tampa, which I think is in between that. So I don't even know. October's crazy right now. And, uh, we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's going to be, it's, that's a crazy month. It's good to be busy. And that's a, a good fight for Al. And, and that's going to be a great crowd, uh, for him to perform in front of. So we're, we're excited for that. Uh, a couple other things before I let you go, you acknowledge some, 
women's fighter on Instagram as like a best friend or someone in your life. And I, I don't believe in the four year life of this podcast. We've ever even talked about this woman. Whose birthday was it? Who is this fighter oh, that has been somebody really? that's been never... right by your side over the years? Oh, wow. I mean, I'm surprised about that. So yeah. I really would love to give her a shout out. Jenny Nadell. Yeah. She literally is the heart and soul of the gym. Uh, she's got one or two fights left in her. Uh, she's a kickboxing champ, and uh, she turned 41, and she's got maybe two fights to go, and then she's going to retire. But no, without her, I would have never lost the weight. She's there for me every freaking day. Stays on top of me, makes sure I'm working out. And like, again, I, I kind of owe my life at this point. So uh, I can't say enough about that kid. She's does everything for everybody in the gym. And, uh, you know, like, again, she's all, all business. She trains every day and she a hundred percent stays on top of me and doesn't let me breathe. So that's amazing. I love her. I know no, no, really great, there. really great. Part. You, you would, you would absolutely love it. She's just a great person and she fights with, with a lot of spirit and heart and she's, uh, she's awesome, man. She's getting better as she gets older. And I didn't think it would be possible. Yeah. Well, I'm 41, so God help us all. Uh, but that's nice uh, of you to give you her know, a shout out. And now that you bring up her name, you have acknowledged her over the years on the show. So, uh, yeah. good stuff there. All right. Before I let you go and we will get a DC steep, a, prediction out of you so you can certainly marinate on that while i ask you about aljamain sterling all right it is 6 10 p.m eastern time monday august 12th right now where is aljamain yeah. sterling where are you are you at the gym right now <laughs> no i'm actually home as soon as okay. i hang up the phone i get in the car and i run to the gym because i have to teach a seven o'clock class but uh aljamain sterling i'm gonna say is teaching the class he's got the six o'clock mma class and I think you know, I might have even seen him on a boat doing some celebrity thing as his profile continues to increase. But no, I I bring it. I no, bring up Aljo just because. Like, what is his mentality right now? Is he is he strategically waiting for a fight with a belt? I mean, Henry's going to be out for the rest of the year. You hearing anything on Aljo? He's got to be starting to want to scratch that itch a little bit. I would think. I I, I got to say I'm hearing nothing on Aljo again. Yeah. Weeks ago, my advice was you you, you earned the title shot. I yeah. would wait for it. I agree. Uh, or at least an interim title shot. I, I think that's the way it is. But he's, you know, he is in the gym, uh, not fully, but he's, you know, he worked definitely worked. Had a great workout Friday, and you know, when he teaches the class, he, he participates in the class. So that's a we have everybody. We have a really great. There's a lot of young guys now, so we have a great MMA class Monday and Wednesday. He does a fantastic job with, and he gets his work in. So. Uh, you know, he's staying, he's staying active, but not, not killing it. Like, you know, not going crazy, but right. he's one of those guys. He's always in the gym. He doesn't really oh. take too much time off. You know what I mean? So, Oh, he's the last guy I would ever worry about. And that is not at all the context I would bring it up. And I just think he's in an interesting yeah. position where it feels like the title shot is earned. You know, is he expecting some Piotr Jan name to come down the pipe? Does he want to get one in? I mean, I feel like a name like Dominic Cruz, for example, for example, is a big enough. Uh, I'm just what, saying I that's a. It, it would have to be something like that. I exactly. Think, you know what I mean? So that that it would have to be something that makes sense in in some way. You know, bang to your buck, uh, gatekeeper that you know, like a big name or something like that, or or a title. I really think he worked hard. He came back from that Marlon Marais knockout. I think he proved to who he is. And, and, and I think for these guys to get a shot at the title is, is huge. And I think uh, he earned it, and I think he deserves it, you know. Kenny Florian hey, just joined like us, Kenny ladies and Florian, gentlemen. Yeah, just joined the program. Ken Flo, is that you, Ken? Wow, Ken. Kenny, John said somebody uh, broke their toenail. He couldn't make the uh, show. <laughs> All right. I don't think Kenny can hear us, so we're going to uh, we're going to move on before we let you go. Ray Stipe, Miocic, Daniel Cormier, Cormier, slight favorite right now. Who do you like in the heavyweight championship rematch coming up Saturday night? I like to qualify my opinion. But I love <laughs> both of these guys. I like both of these guys. But Stipe, you know, he's been at the gym. He's a great dude. Right. I, I know what this means to him. So uh, I think I'm going with Stipe. So that's just a heart selection, right? I mean, that's basically yeah, yeah. just you're not going to come on the airwaves and pick against Stipe. Hey, listen, I don't care if I win, lose money. No, I, I, know, I, know. I know. I know. I go with my people, man. Stipe, Stipe's my guy. I love the guy. He's always gracious. He's always a, a, a just a gentleman every time I see him. And, again, he's 
been at the gym and obviously he's close to Volante. So uh, right. I'm going with Stipe, man. You know, and I love DC, man. He's a great guy. He does a lot of, a lot of work with the kids. I always love talking to yep. him. He's inspirational. He's a great ambassador. You know, all of that stuff. They're, they're, they're both really super nice guys in different ways. But, uh, uh, you know, Stipe, you know, I'm closer to. So uh, that's where I'm going. And it's not like you're... And I think, I think Stipe makes the adjustment, John. I mean, he's... He, this means a lot to him, man. He's, yeah. you know, he's, I think there's certain guys that, you know, I don't know. He, I think oh, he, he wants this one badly. Yeah, this, this is an exciting fight. I mean, you're looking forward to it. In a long time, this is one of those fights I think a lot of people, for the first time, are really looking forward to. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see yeah, how it plays out. Big stuff. All right, well, thank you for uh, the selection. The thing is, it's not like you are so dependent upon your Anakin Florian podcast paycheck that you need to really pick winners. You know, it's, you got enough irons in the fire. You don't need this money. We know that. Hey, listen. Hey, John. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Hey, Take have a great easy, night at the gym. Thank you for your time. Right, Sorry you had no Ken Flo this week. We'll talk to you next Monday, and we'll recap UFC 241, buddy. Awesome. Look forward to it. Take it easy, TJ. Bye, Ray. All right, there he is here on the Anik and Florian podcast. All right, TJ DeSantis, 5-8 and eight on the year. Kind of mailed it in last week. Um, this fighter makes his seventh UFC appearance Saturday night. He goes for a third consecutive win when he faces Dracar Close. Pronunciation of the week for Monday, August 12th. TJ DeSantis, of whom I speak the pressure is on here because I've called two of his fights before he got to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Well, here, if it makes you feel any better, sorry to cut you off yeah. during your segment. I have called at least one of his fights in which I have butchered his name uh, without the presence of an audio file that we have now. So I'm just going to throw that out there that I've screwed this up on a UFC broadcast before. All right. So uh, I made the mistake of calling him Christos over and over again, but it is technically not correct. It is... Christos Iagos. And you are 6-8. and eight. I mean, just absolutely nailing it. TJ ready to go. You like the late start time today, I think. I think you like the late start time. I'm firing on all cylinders and six energy drinks, so we're good. All right, well, what I need is Ian Parker to, to like this late start time. Uh, let's get to the picks. UFC 241, Cormier versus Miacic 2. Big one beckons this Saturday night, Anaheim, California. Home game for Ken Flo. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, so Team Anik led Team Florian 103-100 heading into UFC Newark. Of course, no picks last week for the Uruguay show. We were off, so two picks on the Newark card. Both of these hacks picked Robbie Lawler to beat Colby Covington. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. But you both <laughs> did have Jim Miller. Uh, Ian Parker had Jim Miller by submission. Uh, missed on the round. But that's a winning week for Ian and Team Anik by default. 2-1. Overall lead 105-101 as we head into the monster that is UFC 241. And Ian Parker now joins us live. Ian, before we get to the UFC 241 selections, I want to congratulate you. Not on the main event challenge, but a big weekend in the sports book for you Thousands of dollars. We will not specify how much. The question is, what type of swing? I don't know if you can even answer this, but the Vicente Luque fight, I think, was a big swing for you, at least in a parlay or two. Uh, that was a, a swing fight for you, and it went your way. Is that is that accurate? Uh, that one, and I'll be completely transparent for the whole Twitter sphere that will jump all over me, uh, and also the uh, Enrique Barzola fight as well. I had Enrique as well. Uh, yeah, you know what? I went back and forth in that fight in regards to betting it. And I'll be honest, I also had Perry straight up as a, as a hedge situation, very small hedge. You know, uh, that fight obviously made me sweat. But, hey, sometimes a split decision goes your way and you cash really well and you're able to pay for uh, your kid's school for the year. And that's just it how is it goes. You know? I, it, it really is amazing. Like, you're not even messing around. Like, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, honey, you don't understand, right? Like, <laughs> we were paying preschool tuitions here, honey. Do you understand? Do you understand, honey? You know, doesn't get it. All right. We got to move on here. UFC 241. It's almost bedtime here on the East Coast. Uh, this will be the first prelim you see on ESPN. And when South Shore sport fighting is represented, you know, we're picking this fight. Ken Flo Bantamweight division, Manny Bermudez, 14 and 0. He faces the 12, 1 and 1 Casey Kenny 
Bermudez minus 145. Ian Kenny, the plus 115 underdog. What do you think about this one here on ESPN, Ian Parker? You know what? I uh, <clears throat> Casey Kenny, um, obviously, per, you know, performed nicely against Ray Borg. I did not think he won that fight, however. Again, Ray Borg on short notice. That's a, that's a tall task. Uh, however, I think he's running into a difficult matchup for him in, uh, in Manny here. Manny, I think, has got more than capable striking uh, and will definitely have the advantage in the submission department. And I see it going this way. You know, Borg, you know, obviously, um, we, we know the type of fighter he is. He's scrappy, good on the ground. You know, I don't know how much he's evolved over the years, but, but Manny is a very aggressive fighter. And I think that this might be a little too much too soon. I just, I see a submission win for Manny here, and I think that's the way it's going to go. All right, Ian Parker likes Manny Bermudez to move to 4-0 and in the UFC with four submissions. So, Ken Flo, I would say right now, other than, than maybe you, uh, Calvin Cater is the best fighter Massachusetts has produced thus far. He, of course, gets a chance to prove it coming up October 18th against uh, beating Magomed Sharipov. Very excited about that fight. Um, but Bermudez certainly has a lot of hype, Kenny. I think some of it was sort of muted when he missed weight so significantly against Benito Lopez. I think there is an asterisk next to that win. Um, but your thoughts on Bermudez and ultimately the fight he's got in front of him here against uh, the pretty accomplished Casey Kenny. Yeah, you know, listen, uh, hopefully he learned his lesson against Lopez. Um, I think that he's still maturing as a fighter. Uh, you, you look at his record, it, it's unbelievable what he's accomplished. Uh, not only is he undefeated um, over the course of his mixed martial arts career, but I think he has like one or two decisions only. The rest are all finishes. So right. talk about a, a dude who finishes fights. I, I love it. I love his style. Uh, and I do think he should win this fight, um, uh, you know, by by finish. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he does uh, go out there and submit Kenny at some point. Manny Bermudez, 11 career wins by submission, one by TKO. Exactly right. Two career wins by decision. At any time, I don't care what your strength of schedule is, right? When all of a sudden you're looking up at 14-0 and with that many submissions, right? You see a lot of 4-0 and with four yeah. submissions. You don't see a lot of 14-0 and with uh, 11 submissions. All right, next fight here, guys, 135 pounds as well. And man, does this speak to the depth of this fight card? This is a prelim, folks. Corey Sandhagen minus 180, Rafael Asuncao plus 150. So Ian, number nine is favored to beat number three here. Sandhagen 4-0 in the UFC. Split decision win against John Lineker, April 27. Your thoughts on Sandhagen against uh, an obviously very credentialed guy in Rafael Asuncao? Yeah, this one... um... Interesting fight. You know, again, we have Sun Sal, who has been competitive for a really long time. He's getting up there in age, and we're seeing Corey Sandhagen kind of, I think, peaking really at the right time. Uh, again, split decision win over Leineker. Tough fight. Ah, oh, man, th- this one, I'm going to go Corey Sandhagen. You know, I- I've been speaking to a lot of people, trying to do a lot of tape work on this, and I just feel like Sun Sal is not going to be able to handle the pace and the output especially in a three-round fight against Corey. I just think the athleticism is there. I think he's a new type of fighter we're going to see in this weight class. So I'm going Corey Sanhagen. All right, Corey Sanhagen, minus 180, the pick to click for Ian Parker. Ken Flo, Asuncao, 11-3 in the UFC. No title fights yet for him, despite some big wins. Obviously, Marlon Marais, TJ Dillashaw, Aljamain Sterling. He's 37 years old. I think if he wins here... He's right back in the mix, sort of defends yeah. that number three ranking, hands Sandhagen his first UFC loss. Uh, the question is, can he do it? I'm, I'm a big fan of Sandhagen. I, I think that this guy has a lot of potential, and this is kind of a, one of those fights that is a defining moment for him. If he's able to beat someone like a son, I think we may have a guy who could be a future champion in this sport. I Win or lose, I still think he could be a champion in this sport. Right. But I think he will get there that much quicker if he's able to beat someone like a Sun Sao. Now, I, th- I like his footwork a lot better. I love his movement, his ability to mix things up. Uh, he's not too shabby on the ground either. I still think a Sun Sao should have the advantage on the mat if it goes there. Um, but uh, I-, I think... A Sun Sal is one of those guys who can both hit very hard and he can slow you down with leg kicks. And I think that's what he's going to have to do here against Sanhagen. Um, this is a tough one for me, but I'm going to go the other way. I, I think a Sun Sal with his experience is, a, is able to pull off a very close decision win here. Fascinating fight. And I see a yeah. ton of upside if you're Hoffy, right? Yes. You know, uh, to, to 
have this Sanhagen fight to be able, even though you're the number three ranked guy in the world, but to hand him his first UFC loss. And again, people talk about Sanhagen in very lofty terms, right? So uh, we'll see if he can back it up this weekend against Rafael Asuncao. All right, next fight here in the middleweight division. This is the pay-per-view opener. We will have Ken Flo lead us here. Ian Heinisch. Minus 185 against Derek Brunson, who is plus 155. Kenny Heinish, all the rage right now, 2-0 in the UFC. couple unanimous decision wins over two very tough Brazilians, in my mind, Cesar Fajeda, Shoeface, Antonio Carlos Jr. Brunson on the other side, 15 UFC fights, many against the best of the best. I think this would be a fun fight to have action on, Kenny Florian. I think the masses want to know, though, which way is the flow going? Jeez, you know, it, this is a tough one also because of Derek Brunson's inconsistency in the UFC. You never know what Derek Brunson you're going to get. Right. Um, I, I think Ian Heinish, one thing is for sure, he is consistent. He's a guy who's always going to show up uh, and fight to the damn end. This guy is tough as nails. He finds a way uh, to pull off these wins. I think he's grinded out a lot of wins in the UFC. Um here's the problem. I think style wise, I don't know how well he matches up against Derek Brunson as far as his ability to kind of grind out a win against a wrestler like Derek Brunson. Uh, Derek gets a little wild sometimes himself. Uh, he can get caught, um, you know, makes a lot of mistakes out there, but I don't know if Heinish is the guy who really uh, can take advantage of Brunson on the feet. I like Derek Brunson here as the underdog uh, bet. Oh, man, people are going to be salivating with Ken Flo throwing out all these underdog selections. All right, Ian Parker. So Brunson, 10-5 and in the UFC. The five losses, I will do this very quickly. Yoel Romero. See, I had a lot of time to prepare today. You know, we go 6 p.m. Eastern start time. I got all day. So (laughs) Romero fight back in, I think, 2014, Kenny. I think we called it. He had success in that fight. The Robert Whitaker fight is an outlier still for me, just a suicide mission. I know that was against the undisputed champion, but just a weird approach from Brunson. Anderson Silva lost by decision, UFC 208. Many thought he won that fight. And then, of course, Ian, the recent first-round knockouts against Jacare and Israel Adesanya. Overall, though, good body of work. Kenny certainly sees the value on that side. Your thoughts, Ian, on Ian Heinish and Derek Brunson this weekend? Well, number one, Ian Heinish has a phenomenal first name, so I just want to give him credit on that. So right away, he gets... uh, a quick checkup on that box. But um, I actually am going to go opposite of Kenny, not because I know everyone loves the Ian Heinish uh, prospect, but in general, I actually think this is a bad matchup for Derek Brunson. I don't think Derek Brunson is the same guy that we think he is, where he's this big-time wrestler that uses that to threaten his power punching. I think it's really gone the other way. I think he's someone who thinks he's a knockout artist now and has wrestling to fall back on. Listen, in the last fight with Heinish versus Shootface, we all assumed that Heinish was going to get you know, tooled in the jiu-jitsu department, and instead he dominated on the ground against a guy who, in my opinion, is way better off his back than Brunson. I do think Heinish actually has the better technical striking. Um, Brunson is just kind of a one-hitter-quitter power guy. You know, his fight against Theodoro was, you know, he did whatever he could do, I guess, from someone who was running as much as Elias was in that fight. But in all these other fights, remember, we go back to the whole George Gergel thing. Wrestling got you to where you are. You get a couple of knockouts, and you forget how to set everything up. I think Heinish has got a very good opportunity here. I don't think he wastes it against a good name like Brunson. And I'm going to go with the favorite Heinish here. I think he's a real legit prospect of the division. I think Brunson, unfortunately, is just relies too much on his striking. And against a guy like Heinish, that's not going to work. So I'm going Ian Heinish. Excellent analysis. Well prepared. I love the two disagreements early because we have seven total selections today. To that end, we move it along. Featherweight, Sadiq Youssef, minus 350. Gabriel Benitez, plus 275. Today, I did see some movement, minus 285 and plus 245 for Mowgli. So some movement there. You know, I think it's probably sharp money, Ian. I mean, he's AKA trained. He's coming into his own, 29 years old, wins in three of his last four. He's even getting the red corner treatment here against Sadiq Youssef. Obviously, Youssef is highly touted, deserves the distinction as the betting favorite. Um, you see any value on, on Gabriel Mowgli Benitez, you know, in that plus 275 range, Ian? I just think that Yusuf is that next breed in this weight class of knockout guys that actually are technical strikers who know how to use their hands without having to get into a brawl, and he's really good at keeping the fight upright. You know, if this fight stays standing, this is going to be a really, really long night. I, I like Yusuf here. I, I don't know if the odds are too, I think they're a little too heavy. I don't think he should be that big of a favorite based on his last fight. 
but he deserves to be the favorite. I do see him winning here. I, I don't see the value in the underdog. I think there's other fights if you want to roll the dice on an underdog, but here, I just think the striking is light years of a difference, and I'm going with the favorite here 100%. Translation, Ian Parker paying that preschool tuition will have like six or eight parlays on the board and Sadiq Youssef at minus 300 or otherwise is probably going to be uh, omnipresent in those parlays. Is that fair to say? <laughs> that's pretty it's, uh, that's pretty fair. All right. <laughs> Kenflo, Youssef got a good test, I thought, in Shaman Marais in Philadelphia back in March. Yes. Certainly passed it 2-0 and in the UFC. Not as experienced on the octagon stage as Gabriel Benitez, but... You can understand why Ian and others really like Sadiq Youssef in this spot this weekend. Well, I, I like uh, Sadiq Youssef as well. Um, I think Gabriel Benitez is a tremendous kicker. Uh, I think he has a lot of power in that department, knows how to use it, knows how to mix things up. He is tough as hell. Um, but I, I think Sadiq Youssef is just too... Um, has too many weapons as a striker, moves much better, knows how to mix things up and, and keep you guessing out there. Uh, I'm going with Sadiq Youssef for the win. All right, a couple plays there on Super Sadiq. Oh, you got to love saying Super Sadiq. All right, now we get to a featured bout in the middleweight division. What a fight. What a fight. What a matchup this is. Yoel Romero, minus 170. Paolo Costa, plus 140. Kenny, I'm just praying all goes well during fight week. You know, it's been more than a year since we've seen either of these guys. Costa still undefeated 12-0, 4 in the UFC with as many knockouts but he is the underdog here against the soldier of God, Yoel Romero. Of course, he was in that classic with Robert Whitaker. Split decision loss for him last June, UFC 225. Huge fight here, Ian Parker. I think I'm going to stand up because I'm just so excited for these <laughs> selections. The question is, Paulo Costa or Yoel Romero for you? Well, just to let you know, I'm always standing during this show. There's no sitting How for me. Could you you could even ask Kenny on the last Instagram Live, I don't sit. Um, I'm short well, it's interesting because when you call, inches. when you call a football game, you're standing the whole time. And when you call a mixed martial arts event, at least the way we do it, you, you'd be in somebody's way if you're doing that, you know, I'm only five, seven. If they put one of these tall celebrities behind <laughs> me, they're, they're fine. Yeah. Um, all right. So Romero Costa, I just hope that we do not take USADA into consideration. I think there should be no drug testing for this fight. <laughs> Let these guys just do it. Because let's be honest with ourselves, no one looks like that when they're not in fight camp. Um, and these guys, these guys look like this year round. I think they both have gotten more shredded since all the situations <laughs> and stuff. And Romero is what twenty-seven million dollars richer from somehow proving it was a tainted supplement. So whoever his attorney is, please call me. That's amazing. Um, number one, number two. I actually don't think this is as close to the matchup as people really think. I think Romero has such a heavy. Uh, upside here in this fight. I love that the odds are, what, a minus 155? I just checked uh, about an hour ago. Here's the deal. Costa's uh, level of competition has not been that strong. And look who Romero has fought. You know, Rockhold, Whitaker, Whitaker, Weidman, you know, the, the, the list goes on. And he's done the dance at five rounds twice. Costa has not done that yet. And he hasn't really fought a guy. Who is his uh, biggest level of competition? Uriah Hall? You know, this is a huge step up in competition. This is one of those times where it's really timing is everything and this is why Costa is getting an opportunity at a big name I don't think he deserves it yet I think Romero is going to have the better cardio more explosive he doesn't have to go five rounds he's got three rounds here and his wrestling is light years ahead of Costa um, unless Costa lands a big shot which of course it's possible I think Romero has all the tools to make this work I love you all Romero at this price all day Yoel Romero Costa did lose an amateur fight on season three of the Ultimate Fighter Brazil. Split decision over three rounds to Marcio Alexandre Jr. UFC stoppages Gareth McClellan, Oluwale Bamboche, Johnny Hendricks, and Uriah Hall, which was the most recent one at UFC 226. Ken Flo, Yoel Romero, 42 years of age. He's one of those 1977 guys. Your thoughts on Romero in this spot against Paulo Costa? Ian, uh, what I think you were trying to say is you've never seen someone so ripped in the octagon since Kenny Florian. That's what you wanted there to say, go. I'm sure. But uh, listen, totally. I think, yeah, Paulo Costa, um, I, I think, yeah, is taking 
uh, this fight way too soon for my liking. Uh, I, I like Yoel, Yoel Romero here. I, I think that his ability to stay patient, his ability to utilize those long-range weapons uh, and, and keep Costa on the outside when he wants to, to win those exchanges from long-range and then get to the clinch, take him down whenever he wants. He's just he's just such a, a tremendous double threat against anyone in that division. This is a guy who could very well be the champion in the middleweight division. Paulo Costa uh, is an explosive guy. He's very fast. He's very tough. He's got a great chin. Um, he he's very good at pressuring you. Uh, but Romero just has too much experience. Um, is too well rounded, too skilled. Uh, I think Romero uh, gets it done here. Can't wait to see it. Excited to see what what Paulo Costa can can do with the opportunity. This is the type of fight where if I wasn't working and I was home, it has like a Super Bowl type intensity for me. I mean, the whole card obviously does, but standing up, just a bunch of holy shits, and and just sometimes you you think, man, it'd be fun to have a couple drinks and watch them shut the door behind Yoel Romero and Paulo Costa. But uh, we'll try to be sober for you Saturday night on pay per view. Co headliner. Anthony Showtime Pettis, slight favorite, minus 120. Nate Diaz, minus 110. I know there has been some movement, but Pettis still holding as a slight favorite as we sit here on Monday night of fight week. Uh, men, will need the round, the method of victory here. Ken Flo, it'll be a near 1,100-day layoff for Nate Diaz. I'm not sure how much that matters, but how do you think it goes for Nate here and obviously a big return spot Saturday night? You know, the one thing that really concerns me with Nate in this fight against Anthony Pettis are the leg kicks. I, I think really it was the leg kicks uh, that won in the fight against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, I'm referring to Pettis, sorry. Uh, Pettis' ability to work those kicks is what eventually set up that big shot. I think it was slowing down Wonderboy, and this is exactly what you need to do against uh, Nate Diaz. Now, it's going to be much more of a factor against someone like Nate Diaz because both of them are southpaws. Um, I think what Nate has going for him is the fact that uh, he is able to pressure him. He's going to be much longer uh, than Anthony Pettis. I think he's going to be much bigger. Um, I think he's got to expect those leg kicks to be coming. Uh, I would imagine that Nate Diaz would be able to adapt to that at this point in his career and be able to walk down Anthony Pettis, get on the inside, uh, beat him up from the clinch, take the fight to the ground where, where I think he would have a, a big advantage. But he's got to stay in boxing range against Anthony Pettis. If he can do that, cut off the cage, he can win this fight. If Anthony Pettis is able to diffuse that energy, circle around the octagon, utilize those leg kicks and slow down Nate Diaz that way and get that done early in the fight. He's got a great chance of winning that fight. However, I'm going to go with Nate Diaz here. He needs this fight. He needs this win um, to, to put him back uh, and, and get him uh, another big fight. You know, I think he's a big superstar right now in this sport. He's been taking his time off, I think, in the right way. Uh, and I think Nate Diaz will get the win. How do you not put that content behind a paywall, Ken Flo? If you're Kenny Florian, right? You put that behind a paywall. You're fucking throwing that shit out there for free on the Anakin Florian podcast. You can do better than that. Um, all right, so you have Nate Diaz. You will get the underdog credit, obviously, because that is the betting line as we sit here. Do you have a method of victory or a round you would like for, uh, yes, sorry. for Nathan Diaz? I'm going to go with decision. Okay, Nate Diaz. Decision. Got it. All right, Ian Parker. So two absolute savages here. Fan favorites both. Just four fights for Nate Diaz since 2013. The last non-McGregor fight for Nate Diaz, Michael Johnson in 2015, obviously looked outstanding. And it's still his 24th UFC appearance. I mean, he could easily, Ian, be in that Jim Miller territory had he been more active of late. You look on the other side, Anthony Pettis has fought seven times since we last saw Nate Diaz. Co-headliner, huge fight Saturday night. Pettis or Diaz for UIP. Well, first, I want to point out, number one, anyone on the Internet that listens to this show and sends me a meme of Kenny Florian on Yoel Romero's body, I will get a free pick. Ooh. <laughs> That's number one. That's number amazing. Number one. Um, I, I will how definitely do that, difference? but you got to – you got, uh, How, how, how can you tell, you tell the difference? Yeah. yeah. I have a great answer. It's going to be the, it's going to be the eyebrows. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> Eyebrows and the haircut. Only way we're going to know the difference. If your oh, eyebrows are on fleek like Kenny Florian, <laughs> that's the only way we're going to know. Oh, so that's, <laughs> that's number one. Number two, I want to point out that two weeks ago, Kenny gave me shit about winning by decision. And yet I think the last three main event challenges, you keep choosing guys to win by decision. Hey, Come on, bro. Right. What's going on here? 
I got to I got to do what I got to do. It's all right. I understand. All right. So a lot. So this is this fight is so tricky um, for the obvious reasons. One, Nate Diaz being out three years. Does that really matter with a Diaz? They're cardio machines. I will tell you the biggest thing I don't like about this fight for Diaz that it's at 170 um, because Pettis has been sitting at 170 for a little bit. And look at the level of competition he's fought between the Tony Ferguson, between the Wonder Boys. You know, he's fighting guys that are essentially champions, title contenders in two different weight classes and winning, losing. He's kind of putting it together. Um, I don't know if it be really an issue for Pettis in a three-round fight. I don't see that being the case. I, I understand what Kenny's saying with the boxing, but I don't know if Nate is going to be able to do the volume that Tony Ferguson did to Anthony Pettis. Did he make the right adjustments? Was that not a big enough test? of a similar fighter, but Ferguson's got more power. This is so hard to pick. Um, I also think that um, Anthony Pettis may even try and take Nate down. I do think Nate's the better jiu-jitsu practitioner, but Pettis is no slouch on the ground. I don't think he gets submitted from the guard. You know, the leg kicks, he has to use them. You know, follow the blueprint of what, <clears throat> what Josh Thompson did. Man, this is really hard. I'll tell you, John, on a betting standpoint, unless you're up going into this fight, I just want to sit back and watch this. Oh, and yeah, I agree. With you. Because, because this is, this is, there's no comfortable way to even do this. There should be, the only reason why that Diaz is uh, an underdog is because of the three-year hiatus, you know? Um, I, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to go opposite of Kenny just because it's fun betting against him and picking against him. But I do think Anthony Pettis being the more active fighter, fighting this level of competition for the last, let's just say three years that Nate hasn't been there. I think he's fought got better strikers than Nate. In the three-round competition, I'm not worried about the cardio. I think Anthony Pettis is going to leg kick his way to a decision, Kenny All Florian. Right, Anthony, showtime. Okay. Right. Pettis by decision. I kind of had an inkling that if we let Ken Flo lead there, that, that Ian Parker was going to go the other way regardless, and, and we appreciate that. Three disagreements thus far, <laughs> which brings us to the main event, the UFC Heavyweight Championship rematch. Ken Flo's going Cormier. It's just a question of the round or the method, and that's okay. Cormier's minus 150. Stipe Miocic, plus 120. We will need the round and the method of victory. You heard Ray Longo earlier in the program, if you listen to the whole show. He likes Stipe because he's his friend, Ian, but he also just feels like Stipe wants this one in the worst way, and not that other fights haven't had his focus, but that this one seems to really have his focus. Your thoughts on Stipe running it back here with the champion, D.C., who wins? How do they get it done? Man, um, excuse me, this, everyone seems to have friends in this fight along the whole way. There's loyalties every which way. I'm going to try and stay non-biased. I honestly don't know where Stipe actually wins this fight. Um, I think Daniel Cormier, I think, will have the better cardio. I think he's the better wrestler. Obviously, the power has transitioned. Um, I don't really know what Stipe learned from that last fight other than Daniel literally saying whenever he broke off the clinch, his hands were down and DC just said, I'm going to swing, and if it hits, I'm good. And that was literally it. Outside of that, if you go back and watch the fight, DC was landing that jab over and over again. I just think people sometimes don't, they look at DC's body and they kind of, you know, don't understand how quick he is. He might have one of the highest level fight IQs to ever touch the cage. And I'm assuming Kenny will probably attest to that. You know, I just, I think DC is just too smart to take a fight like this, not seeing where he can win as it potentially being his last fight. So I'm going to go DC I'm going to say he wins by third round TKO. I think he's going to bring this fight to the ground. I think Stipe is going to get tired. Um, I don't think it ends by knockout the way it did last time. I just, like I said, I think DC is going to be smart, do what he's got to do, eventually get this fight, take the back, beat him up. And that's where I see it go. That's where I see it going. So I'm going DC round three TKO. Yeah. Don't let the frame fool you. I mean, this is just such an elite athlete and I'm, I'm glad you acknowledged the fight IQ uh, so DC Ken Flo obviously giving Stipe, granting Stipe the rematch, and of course Miocic, as accomplished as any UFC heavyweight prior when it comes to his title reign, wanted to wait out more than a year to make sure that his next fight was a championship opportunity. Uh, your thoughts on what Ian had to say, and and if you think Stipe can make the requisite adjustments and make this fight any closer or more competitive uh, than the last meeting. <laughs> 
Well, you know, you, you mentioned me picking DC, and, and I am, and I will. Uh, I always will. <laughs> uh, but I tell you what, this fight against Stipe makes me a little extra nervous. Uh, Stipe really can crack. He's a very good striker. I think he's underestimated in that department. Uh, it's not like the guy can't wrestle either. Uh, and when you look at them side by side, man, I, I mean, and you go back to their first meeting, Stipe was significantly larger than Daniel Cormier. Now, that's not something that... Uh, we, we've, we've seen before, I mean, obviously Cormier is a guy who's used to going against taller, larger opponents. Um, but it's a factor when you're taking shots to the dome, uh, that size, that power really does make a difference. And Stipe is very fast. So it's a fight that concerns me. However, the types of fights that concern me most when you're facing someone like Daniel Cormier are the guys that can kick very well. The guys that are very tricky with their feet, because I don't know if Daniel, um, reacts to kicks as well as he does punches. He can level change. He knows how to mix things up. He can get to the inside. He can clinch you. Uh, he's very good with his dirty boxing. He's good with his shots as well. Uh, gets his weight behind his shots extremely well. Um, and Stipe isn't that guy who can kick extremely well. Uh, at least we haven't really seen too much of that. Um, and because of that, I think Daniel Cormier will get a win, uh, l- let's say, around the third round uh, TKO. All right, DC, third round technical knockout on both sides. Time out, time out. You time said out. third Can round as well? Same thing I did. You said third round third as round well? TKO. See, I wasn't even listening stick to, to you. Stick to your decision, <laughs> Romero. Stick <laughs> to your decision. I didn't even listen to you. All right, let's do uh, Let's do. <laughs> Maybe you round. should. Well, you know what, John? Who's talking? I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All Ian, right, let's go second something? round. Yep, I got it for the record, right. Ian. Okay. Ian, you you got a hot microphone. The floor is yours, sir. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying I had DC, round three TKO. Kenny, I feel like if you listen to me more, <laughs> you'd probably be winning this competition because I'm sitting here giving you the respect of your breakdowns and picking opposite of you because I'm going to beat you again this week. The least you could do is pick a different round. Come on. Uh, I you just, start, see, I zone I out. You. you start talking, I zone out. No, no, I, if I listen, if I listen to you, I'd be making a lot of money. I'd be a rich man. Oh, I just you, you know what? All you gotta do is follow. All you gotta do is follow. All you gotta do is follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and you'll probably there be you the <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. At Parker Cage Hero, by the way, if you are interested in tracking Ian Parker's every move. All more, right, more, Ian, more, twenty more, seconds. Hey, more like Cage Zero. I'm just saying. Oh, oh, he didn't. Oh, wait he a minute, John. Back. John. John, you know I was Dropped waiting for TJ zero. to pop in. I was waiting. TJ, TJ, I was trying to be nice and I was waiting. But that last Twitter post that you tossed up there, I don't know who you're calling a zero right now. <laughs> Nobody in the world gets a discount on their book cameo. That book cameo is a side that likely no one will ever book me. It's true. Uh, oh, you know. hey, from cage zero hey, how many twitter followers do you have <laughs> dude, all right hey i'm gonna stop this down here i, I gotta get not as much you guys. As, not as not as much as the money i made this past weekend <laughs> allegedly allegedly <laughs> ian i need 20 seconds from you before you go on colby covington because i just am trying to provide some context for that offensive performance ken flo gave us his thoughts oh. on the top of the show but you know, to see someone like Daniel Cormier go on Twitter and say, man, say what you want about Colby Covington, right? But 600 strikes, 20 takedowns in 25 minutes. I mean, there's just something to this guy and his ability to rise to the occasion, the cardio, the pace, and everything else. I, offensively, uh, were you as blown away by I was sitting octagons, as I was sitting octagon side that night? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, he didn't, he didn't stop. He went with a game plan. He stuck with it. And Robbie, who is someone who has fought everybody and anybody. And listen, Kenny and I thought that his power and his technical striking was going to be <laughs> the difference maker here. And Kobe outstruck Robbie in every way. His angles were perfect. His combinations were there. I've never seen a pace like that. And I do think after seeing that fight, when I thought Usman was not going to lose again for the next 10 years, I, I do think Kobe presents a challenge because Anyone who throws that amount of strikes, I mean, I know a couple of these fighters made jokes that there wasn't a lot of power behind them, but when you're getting hit that amount of time, the power adds up after a while. And his, you know, the threat of the takedown, and he just, just doesn't stop. Um, Kenny and I did speak about this. You know, we would have liked to have seen Kobe finish that submission in the first and second round. He had a really good position on Robbie, but 
the fact that that didn't even phase him, that he couldn't get it, and he kept going and going, this made me really excited for the Usman fight. I'm now okay with Masvidal fighting Leon Edwards um, and letting Colby actually get this title shot. Um, that performance against Waller I thought was flawless. And anyone who says that Robbie didn't show up, that's bullshit. Yeah, I agree. All right, Ian Parker with us every week here for the Main Event Challenge. Thank you, buddy. Good luck this weekend. And uh, I don't know, dude, maybe cut me in or something. I mean, these, these tuitions are expensive. I got you. Listen, do me a favor. You could send TJ the picture. I give you permission. All right? Just so he uh, can sleep better tonight. And I got you. I'll give you a nice percentage. We're good. Anybody right, can learn how to use Photoshop, man. All right. That is true. That is we'll true. get Ian Parker out of there on that, and that's it for the main event challenge. And we got to get out of here for the week. It is late here on the East Coast. Thank you to the usual suspects, TJ DeSantis at the controls, Ray Longo, Ian Parker. And, uh, you know, we're going to turn this thing right around next Monday. Full recap of UFC 241. We hope you will join us this weekend for the pay-per-view prelims prior on ESPN. With that, for Ken Paul and John Anik, thank you all for listening. No more days off until next week. Be well. Don't text and drive. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.